Welcome to the Drama Free Living Podcast. It's Dennis and Lisa McEntee. And Lisa, this has been really fun. We've had a couple episodes really dealing with some of these roadblocks of leadership. And what I love about it, we're getting such great results about people saying like, oh, I can see these different things. And this happens like whether in a workshop or in a coaching session, all the time people see different things and they see different changes and really different roadblocks. And what's fascinating is once you see it, it's almost like you can drive around it. You don't have to run into it. It's almost like your brain goes to work on it Yeah, because your brain always goes to work on what it believes is possible and your brain always goes to work on specifics. And so we we go through some specifics and we got three specific roadblocks that we want to cover today. Yeah. So we've been doing this for the last three weeks and these are all roadblocks to leadership. So the first podcast was about performance roadblocks and those were Fear of failure, burnout and stress, and lack of empathy. And those yeah. are those are really performance roadblocks. Yep. And then last week we talked about personal character roadblocks. And those roadblocks are perfectionism, micromanaging, and imposter syndrome. That was kind of ouch. It was a tough one. That was a tough one. Okay, so today is more personal roadblocks. And these are, can I give the three? Yeah, go for it. Uh, overwhelming responsibility, fear of confrontation, and people-pleasing tendencies. Yeah. And so if you need some help with your blind spots, we're going to get into this, but we do have a leadership scorecard, which are 24 capabilities that you can measure yourself, see where you're at, and then build a roadmap on how to get those things and get to the place that you want to be. And so obviously a lot of these roadblocks are part of that whole conversation, but the one we want to kind of cover first is this overwhelming responsibility. It's not just responsibility, but it's this sense of Overwhelm. And I think that's the key. Yeah. Because great leaders, they're very responsible, but sometimes their shoulders are so broad that they shield other people from pain. They take more on themselves than they really should. And then they become overwhelmed. And and then they're too responsible. Yeah. And so sometimes, you know, emotions tell a story. Emotions are simply information. And we cover a lot of that in the Emotionally Intelligent courses to not beat yourself up that you are overwhelmed, but realize, okay, I'm overwhelmed. It's telling me a story. What is it telling me? And Lisa, you you have a great sort of idea when it kind of comes to that. So overwhelming responsibility. And this is just overwhelm or taking on too much responsibility. And sometimes it's that we're actually taking on too much responsibility and we need to give it over. Yeah. And other times it's just that we're feeling overwhelmed because of the responsibility that we have on our shoulders. And so I'm getting ready to go on a trip on Monday and I'll be gone for for almost two weeks. And there are, there's just a lot of things that I have to do that have to get done before I go. And they're swimming in my head, they're open loops. And I'm trying to figure out, okay, when am I going to get them done? And some of them is A comes first, then B comes and then C, and I can't get to C until A happens, or I can't do, I can't do this until Thursday because that's just how it is. And it's everything from work to personal, to kids, to pets, um, friends and family. It's so many different aspects. It's your entire life. It's my, my entire life is just open looping and it's just going around and around. And I had to sit down and I had to take a good old piece of paper and a pencil out. And oh, it I had, came back to that. Huh? It came it, back to the pencil and paper. And it's, li- the it's, not even, it's not even a pen. It's a pencil. It's a pencil. I have to be able to erase. Well, you went old school on And just, it's just a brain dump. Just yeah. a brain dump of all of these things that I'm responsible for or that has to get done or that 
are are just looping in my head and then going through and playing Tetris with them and figuring out, okay, how am I going to fit these pieces? This piece is going to go here. This piece is going to go here. The dog can't have surgery until the week from Monday. So who's going to take care of that? And how are all of these- Oh, I guess I'm going to take care of that. You did agree to it. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I'm in. And so it's, how are we going to fit all of these things? Mm -hmm. And then going through and deciding, okay, so- which of these really don't actually have to happen? Yeah. Or what of these can I give to someone else? And so you kind of talk about all of this, these ways to deal with overwhelming responsibility. But what was fascinating is, is I saw how your emotional state changed once you wrote it down. Mm-hmm. It's like... <sighs> and I think what happens, and this is the power of why we create tools and different mm-hmm. frameworks, where you actually have people sit down, whether it's in a coaching session or a roundtable or, or even in a workshop, and they actually write because it gives you an emotional distance between you and the issue. And sometimes when you just write it down, you have that emotional distance so that you can think clearly because what we've discovered is that overwhelm is an emotion And so if you feel overwhelmed, it is really more of an emotional issue than a logical issue. And when you go through and when you write these things down, you do employ the different types of learning styles. You employ your kinesthetic. And if you're speaking while you're doing this, your your audio and your visual and you're employing the tactical and all your different senses. And so those are important because then you're, you're involving your entire person as a whole and you're just not allowing it to live rent-free in your head. It's beautiful. So I think, you know, prioritizing, right? Sometimes people get into overwhelm because they have this lack of prioritizing. And I think just categorizing in order of importance, because the thing about it is, is that nothing, not every, everything can't be important. And, and I think well, that's- Well, everything could be important, but there, there's, an there's order levels. To it. There's levels. And one thing that really helps a lot of our clients, especially our roundtable participants, is the idea of a top three is every day, what are the top three things you're going to accomplish? Now you're going to get other things done, obviously. Right, but if you focus on the top three and you get the top three done every single day, you're like, okay, that felt good. Today felt good. But I think the challenge is, is when you have 100 things on your list, and I know this has been for me, it's like I have 100 things on my list and I go top three, like top 50, right? Because it's like everything. And it's almost like the more you have on the list, the harder it really is to to really prioritize. And, you know, you said, get it out of your head and get it on paper. And we do that with our team. Every Monday, yeah. our team, we put it in our Slack channel. It's like, okay, what's your top three for the week? Just what are the three things that no matter what, this is what you're going to do. Now, we put it down on Monday. By Wednesday or Thursday, it could have actually changed. It probably would change, but at least it forces us to think, Okay, if I don't get anything else done, if I get these three things done, then this week was a win. And really like determining what your wins are beforehand. Mm. And I think that's the, that's the key thing because you can't get everything done, but you want to get the most important things done. And then sometimes I think people have inaccurate, inadequate time management. And this is sort of what I mean is not just time blocking because that's sort of the classic, but it's when you time block eight to nine and then nine to 10, then 10 to 11, and you don't allow for interruptions. You don't allow for margin. Or you don't allow for like, oh my gosh, something is going to happen, but I don't know what it is. And Well, do you know what else you don't allow for is you don't allow for energy management in mm. your time management. And so maybe your top peak energy management time is, is from 9 to 11, and you take your things that require the most energy and you put them in the afternoon, and that's not going to work either. Yeah, and really it's more about energy management than time management. Because mm. think about how does overwhelm, overwhelm zaps your energy. People that talk about how overwhelmed they are with us, they typically are very drained. Yeah. 
and, and so what what's your peak time and really schedule your time around that but only you know what that is and allowing for margin yeah it's really good so i th- i think some things that people can do is really set boundaries that's the key and I, and I think of your inner world because overwhelm is more of an internal issue than an external issue. I, uh, we, we've been with clients where we talk to different frontline staff members and eat, one team member has five things to do and they complain about how overwhelmed they are. Another team member has the exact same five things to do and they're, they're just as busy, but they're not complaining about overwhelm and they don't have this sense of stress and urgency. urgency. And I always wonder, well, what's the difference? It's the same assignments. But it's that it's an internal issue. And I think once you realize it's really more of an internal issue, then you can know what to do with it. Because if you're always blaming it on the external and on my situation or on my circumstance, listen, there's some circumstances that can't change. They're not going to change. You can't change them. But I can change me. So I think looking at it as like your inner world and it's what is the difference between a garden and a field is really boundaries. Right. I, if I have a garden, I have this fence around the garden and, and I and I till the earth and I plant the right seeds and I water it and I take care of it. But people typically don't take care of a field. Okay. Now wait a minute. I'm from Iowa. Oh, uh, well that's okay. We're And 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 I'm I'm thinking field. When I think of field, I'm thinking of cornfields and things like that. And so So I'm thinking of, I'm from South Florida, so I'm thinking about a little garden. A little tiny garden. Yeah. I, I don't even know what you're talking about, cornfields. So garden versus a piece of land, <laughs> you know, like a state park. Or <laughs> Fair enough. The point is, <laughs> the point is put some boundaries around these things and really, really work on the internal, on your internal world. And then I think this idea of constantly evaluating and adjusting, because Lisa, circumstances change. Your top three, you know, you put it on Monday and by Thursday it could be different. Right. Or or context changes. Yeah. Or seasons change. I mean, Lisa, even we've seen with you is that as the kids have grown your activity in the business, you've basically went full-time in the business where five years ago that wasn't the case. But now that you're full-time in the business, there's certain things you know, in our personal life that we you, get to make adjustments we, because, yes. because I'm like, okay, you're going to have to step up because I can't work full-time here and take care of some of these other things I like I no, did before. I, I thought you were superwoman. I am superwoman and you are superman <laughs> and we are superpowers together. We are. And so really realizing the context of the situation, right? And seasons change and allow yourself to adjust. Don't be so rigid. And I love like what, what my therapist says is he said, it's, it's a boundary, not a wall. And boundaries are movable according to the context and according to the season and, and, and according to, to those things where a wall is just, it's rigid and it never changes. And it's a great way to look at it. And so this is one. And then another one is this fear of confrontation. Mm-hmm. And so this is really kind of developing like the resolution skills, the conflict resolution skills. And, and so a couple different things about this is that when people fear confrontation, they think of like escalation. Right, it just escalating, it just getting out of control, and oh my gosh, I don't know what they're going to say, and I don't know how to navigate through their emotions. And if I say this, what do they, what do they say? And so, at least I've even realized that maybe this is something that I've dealt with, that I don't step into maybe some hard conversations. And, and listen, we talk about that, but I still have trouble at times dealing with it. That's how it is. Yeah, it's just it's the reality. And so I really learned to use I statements, not you statements. Right. So if I'm having a conversation, the only thing I can tell people about is my experience. I can't tell you about you. No, I can tell you about my experience that I have of you, 
but I can't tell you about you. So when you come and say, you do this, and when you do this, and when, when this happens, and when you say this, right? Also, Now you can say, when this happens. I feel this. Right. I feel this way because I'm thinking this. Is, is, there, is that true? That looks totally different than you always blame me for things. And using like absolutes, like always and never and... That doesn't work in confrontation. It doesn't work at all. Not in healthy confrontation. And it really escalates the situation. And I think the best way really to help people is for you to show up healthy yourself, is in every situation for you to be healthy. And just by being healthy, it de-escalates the situation. And I think if you step into situations and and the goal is to win the heart, not the argument. I think, isn't that the problem with our political discourse today? Nobody wants to, everybody wants to win the argument. Everybody wants to be right. But nobody wants to really win the heart. It's like, I just want to prove my point. Well, if you come in to prove your point, then people are going to be defensive. They're going to shut down and and you're going to escalate the situation. And then I think sometimes this lack of assertiveness also is, is sometimes hard for people to navigate. And I think the lie that we believe sometimes is like, oh, I don't want to say that because that's going to hurt their feelings. I'm like, no, just tell the truth. You don't want to say it because you don't want to have that conversation. Just let's just be honest. And just realize that, hey, that's uncomfortable. And so with fear of confrontation, it's both the over-confrontational, making it all about me, and also, and then the under-confrontational and the lack of assertiveness yeah, and, it's, and, it's, and just kind of stepping up. Yeah, and it's like, hey, let's not get in the, in the ditch either way. Right? There's, a, there's a ditch in, in both sides. And you have this statement that I love that you say is that, you know, be firm but not hard. And, and you just – you master it so well. I love how you do it. You're, you step in and you're firm, but – it's almost like you can step on people's shoes, but they don't lose the shine. I don't want to step on anybody's shoes because, gosh, people pay good money for those shoes. Yeah, or you know, <laughs> well, 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 we just we just did a workshop. Um, it's actually a keynote with about four hundred people in there. And one of the participants afterwards, she she came to me. She said, you know, she said, I I, I really think like you know you confronted us, and you know I, I really felt like you know it was you know. You've given us hard feedback, but I kind of liked it. It felt really good. And I think that's kind of the goal is that how do you give this hard feedback sometimes and still people like it? And so this whole idea of being firm, but but not hard. And I think if you just have the intent that, hey, I want to really serve you well, and I'm doing this to help you, not to hurt well, you. Well, and we're in this together. We're, yeah. we're all going through life together. We're in this together. And we're just – Trying to do the best we can, each of us, with what we've got. And, and I think that's that's the really idea is that, hey, you know, they're doing the best they can right now with where they're at. And I think that's a great way to say out of self-judgment. It's a different topic, right? But sometimes we beat ourselves up for what we did last year. But I, I thought, oh, you know, I was a different person last year. I didn't know what I know today. I, and I can't judge my I can't judge myself about yesterday from what I know today. And really step back and realize, hey, people are where they're at, and they're going to get better. And I can be part of that process. And so I think some things, just be prepared, plan on what to say. I know, Lisa, that you stepped into a possible confrontation a situation just a couple weeks ago, and somebody just encouraged you. It's like, hey, have a game plan. Right. right. Have an out. Have an exit strategy. If they have if, three exit strategies, right. and, and if they show up crazy, then you know what to do because half the time they do show up crazy. So and, and you never know when. And you so. don't. You don't know who's going to show up today. So and I thought that was brilliant because how many times do we walk into things and we're not prepared and then it goes haywire and then because we don't have a strategy beforehand, 
you know, we end up making bad decisions and bad choices. And a lot of that is self-awareness. It's others' awareness. It's situational awareness. And so it's walking into a room, Mm -hmm. not with my head down in my phone or thinking about the call that I'm you know, still on, but walking into a room and just really evaluating, okay, what's going on and how are these people showing up? Because if I, if I don't see what they're showing up as before I get thrown up on, I'm going to get hit with vomit. Yeah. And so if you can see them starting to gag, that's your opportunity (laughs) to be like, okay, I'm choosing one of my three outs and I'm backing up here. So, you know, evaluate the situation, evaluate the room walking in the situation and being like, okay, they're gagging right now. They're, they're losing their stuff. And I just, I don't want to get, I don't want to get messy. Well, you know, I see a new um, product coming out. Are they gagging? Are they gagging? Are they going to throw up? Are they going to throw up? Hey, do you need to get rid of the vomit? Uh, we'll, we'll come up with something. Oh, okay, gosh. <laughs> we, we digress. And then I think maybe my last point about this is that really, uh, you know, minimize the distractions, almost watch the timing in the setting. And we tell clients all the time, hey, don't coach in the heat of battle. There are sometimes where you just have to be very directive, do this, this, but then when it's calm, come back and have a, have a coaching session because everything has a time, everything has a place, right? It's like a, I don't park my car in the kitchen park my car in the garage, right? There's certain places we do, right? I I don't do work in the bedroom. We do work certain places. And so realizing, and even like working with people, everything has a place, everything has a time and really being sensitive to that. So Lisa, like another one that you wanted to talk about, and I think it's super valuable is this whole people pleasing tendency. Yes. So this is another relational roadblock, people pleasing tendencies. And this is, this does go along a little bit with fear of confrontation because a lot of times we don't confront because Mm -hmm. we have people pleasing tendencies. And this causes leaders to prioritize other people's ideas and their feelings wow. or or other their popularity in the eyes of another person over making tough decisions, hmm. tough but necessary decisions. And so your company, your organization, your team is not going to thrive if you are not making those tough and necessary decisions. And then they have a tendency to overcommit themselves and say yes to every request because of that pressure of people pleasing. And and then they spread themselves too thin and then they become less effective in their leadership role when we have this people pleasing tendency in the forefront. Well, and how many times does favoritism sort of play in place sometimes? Yeah. Right. Because I want to please this person. And the thing about it is, is other team members know. You don't have to talk about it, but people know. Now, there's a difference between favoritism and having the right person in the right seat, which sometimes team members can think, gosh, I did not get the privilege of kind of taking that that project and running with that project, being project manager on that or being lead on that project. When in reality, when you look at your the strengths and the giftings and the skills, the other person really was the better person for that job. And that is not favoritism. That's, yeah. that's just being smart with the skills and with the team that we have. Favoritism is, is truly taking from someone else and allowing a different person to sit in that seat. Yeah. And how many times do we do that just trying to please other people? Or, mm-hmm. or strong personalities sometimes. Yeah, yeah, and then and then that causes us to to not be able to make those necessary and tough decisions. Yeah, and so with these people pleasing tendencies, it's it's it it just feels yuck. Nobody likes it. I like it. it. Just feels yuck. 
It just feels yuck. And that's the name of the podcast. It just feels yuck. <laughs> so, but with overcoming strategies for people yeah, pleading tendencies, it's understand, first of all, it is not possible to please everyone. You cannot do it. And to to do that, to try to do that is is to fail, is to not succeed, and is to to turn your basically turn your car and go down the wrong way, you know. Well, isn't lane. it sometimes like not having integrity too? Because like I morph myself into somebody I'm really not just to please you. Mm-hmm. And that, that you start to walk down that road, it gets kind of ugly. And then you've got that internal battle of you're not being integrous with yourself. Yeah, and and you got to live with you. Absolutely, and then prior, prior, prioritizing your decisions that mm-hmm. align with the values and the goals of your company or your organization. So yeah. before you make a decision, you have to prioritize them and say, "This decision is it because I'm feeling pressure." from my higher-ups or my direct reports? Or is this because I'm making this decision because it aligns with the values and the priorities of the goal that we have set collectively? Yeah, that's And that's that's very valuable. And framing it with that, those are the boundaries that we're putting into place. Yeah, and and sometimes, Lisa, especially as leaders and leading larger organizations, I, I have seen, you know, an organization like favor one person and they really sacrifice 49 other people. Because, oh, this person is in this place, but they're not successful in this place. And the whole team really suffers. And I think sometimes as leaders, they have to look out globally at the whole organization and ask, okay, what's best for the whole organization? Because mm-hmm. I just don't have one team or I have these 50 team members. And it's even bigger because, wow, I got 50 families that are dependent on this organization doing certain things. And so really, it you have to look out globally. Right. Absolutely. And then another strategy to overcome people-pleasing tendencies is just communicate your expectations. Being clear, clearly communicating what's going on, what the expectations are, and what's a win and what isn't a win. Now, Lisa, you know there are some expectations that can't be met. There's really only one expectation that can't be met. And that is? The one you've never stated. The one you've never stated, you've never voiced, and you've never never communicated. Yeah, and we talk a lot about that in Emotionally Intelligent, so we'll put some notes in there so you can get that course if that's something that would help help you. And then setting boundaries. Setting boundaries. I think we've come up with setting boundaries (laughs) for multiple of these roadblocks because really boundaries are kind of the bumpers in our life that help keep us from going off off the road. And so in whatever area it is, is is just kind of setting some boundaries to to people-pleasing tendencies. Um, And a boundary could be, I am going to evaluate the things that come across my desk based on is this the best thing for our company or our project right now at this time and are these the these the correct people in the correct seats yeah that's super good lisa this has been really oh do you well i've got one, one more oh. is providing constructive feedback hmm tell me more what you mean what do you mean by that just Rather than um, not – so somebody that is people-pleasing will tend to not give feedback because they're afraid they're of Mm. what – of of how that will affect their approval Mm. or how that will affect their popularity or what other people will think. And so providing constructive feedback. So I'm going to give you constructive feedback because I value you as a person more than right. I value your approval of me. And this does, it, this isn't a bash dentist session. This is this is constructive. This is positive, constructive. This is how we can work better. Um, and this is how we can do things better. Yeah, because I'm really if I'm really concerned more about your pr- approval, I'll never step into those places because I'm afraid of your reaction. And I'm almost trying to manage your own your emotions for you. 
and almost trying to like stop you from maybe feeling anger, feeling, you know, fear, whatever those things are. And that would be like you're going down a road and you're going down a one way and a car turns and a car is coming towards you in what they think is their lane in a one way. And you just kind of let them go and you don't you don't honk, you don't wave, you don't try to say, hey, you're hmm. you're going the wrong way because you're afraid that they're not going to approve of you. I mean, it's it almost sounds silly when you think of it that way. Yeah, but it but it really kind of plays itself out. So, are mm-hmm. you being helpful or hurtful? And I think when we're people pleasing, we're really being hurtful. We're not helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this has been great, Lisa. I think for me, like as I kind of think through, I, I think this whole idea of overwhelming responsibility is something I need to take a look at because, uh, and I really appreciate just just today before we did the podcast, we were just chatting, and the fact that I was able just to share some of the overwhelms that I had, and, and it was fascinating as we talked about it. I think over fifty percent were just fantasy. They weren't really even real, but they were real in my mind. And for me just to be able to voice them and get them out there and get them and get some feedback on them. But if you don't know that's going on and you don't have a place to share that and get some good feedback, you you just kind of live with that. And how many people we just kind of live with that emotion. So I think that's, I think I'm going to go back and just really think through and evaluate that today. I think for me, would the relational roadblock that I'm thinking of might be, you know, the the people pleasing and the fear of confrontation. I mean, mm. they're they so they're so closely enmeshed. They mm-hmm. they cross over. They're kind of like a Venn diagram. They just kind of cross over and they fit in the middle. And and but I love that idea of you know caring enough for another person that you're going to speak up. Yeah especially when it's um, a self-harming behavior or a, a group-harming behavior, when it's something that maybe is just really not beneficial to the group. Yeah. And, you know, these these roadblocks that we are talking about, they, they actually, they require self-awareness, they require a commitment um, to growth, and they, they require ongoing effort because we're always going to have roadblocks in different to different levels and we'll improve in some ways and not in others. And we've got the the leadership scorecard that we can utilize and, you know, take 10 or 15 minutes and just sit down and say, okay, how am I in this? And what is the ongoing improvement that I can make? And, you know, it's absolutely, it's free. This is totally free. It's like, okay, where am I at in these 24 capabilities? Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, we'll have that as a link for for you to download, for you to use, for you to assess yourself, because it requires ongoing effort. And then we also need to remember with all of these roadblocks, we have to seek um, support from mentors and from coaches yeah. and from or therapy if it's necessary. I mean, these super important because we don't I don't want to be stuck in the same place I am today. Yeah. Um Five years from now, I would hope that I would have grown past some of these roadblocks. And then remembering that leadership is a journey. Leadership really is a journey, and nobody's perfect at all. And we embrace those challenges, and we use those as opportunities to move forward and to just be the best me that I can be for my growth and for my improvement. Yeah, and I think what makes it a forward journey is that movement. So we want to encourage you to keep moving forward. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to hit roadblocks. You're going to hit potholes. We want to cover some that we see. And if this is a roadblock, listen, you can overcome it. We've overcome these. We're still working on them. And um, get the leadership scorecard. And we'll see you next time on the Drama for Living podcast. <music>